Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, part of the Marketplace Risk Master's Program. The Master's Program offers a full suite of virtual content, engagement, and resources focused on risk management, trust and safety, and legal strategy for startups. Be sure to download the mobile app from the Master's Program on the Marketplace Risk website to connect with hundreds of participants, speakers, and sponsors directly. The Master's Program is presented by Aon, Checker, PackSafe, and we want to thank them and all of our sponsors, including Appers Insights, King & Spalding, Seifarth Shaw, Sitter City, Spectrum Labs, Tint AI, and Willis Towers Watson. Check out the Master's Program Sponsor Center on the Marketplace Risk website for more information about our sponsors to view content they have contributed and to contact them directly. Thank you for tuning in to the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk's L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on the sharing of gig economy. L. is also the chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Please note, this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes and is not legal advice by the Marketplace Risk team or the presenters. The material discussed should not be construed as legal advice or a legal opinion on any specific issue. We urge you to consult a lawyer concerning your own situation and any specific legal questions you may have. Please contact us at info@marketplacerisk.com, and we can put you in touch with the appropriate professional. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Al. Welcome to the latest episode of the Platform Podcast. Now, today I am welcoming Brian Colsell, who is CEO of Checkbook, who are a fast and efficient, I believe, company accounting software uh, organization. Now, Brian, welcome to the Platform Podcast. I hope I've got that description of Checkbook right. Um, I don't think they, these were the exact words you told me, but um, I think I, I think I got the the um, the point across. That was wonderful. Good afternoon, Al. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for joining me. Now, today I am really excited to focus on something that I don't think in the world of marketplaces and platforms in general gets quite enough attention. And that is the provider side. Now, we talk a lot about marketplaces and gig economy marketplaces, service marketplaces, and we often think about the users and, you know, whether they can, you know, trust the services being offered, what their experience is. You know, we we talk about that whole range of experience, but we don't often look at the actual the inventory, what's who's listing on the website, why, who these providers are, how they're being looked after. Now, why do you think that is, Brian? Why do these this part of what why does this part of the equation get forgotten sometimes? That is a great question. Well, we are blessed with a very large pool of talent. Um, across the globe of individuals who are interested in contributing on into the provider side of all of these marketplace networks that we talk about. Um, but we can agree just based across your other podcasts, your other webinar series, that there's a lot of investment that goes in in trust and safety in recruiting and vetting um, the, the network and the providers. So we should be thinking once we get these great core group of people who are doing well and reflecting positively on our marketplace or our platform, how do we keep them? How do we reward them? And how do we you know, stand out against the competition as the marketplace uh, that has a great customer experience on both sides of the equation for the end user and for the provider? 
because people talk a lot in our world about onboarding, don't they? And it's almost like once you've got them there, great, you know, let's move on to the next one. But I know that you and I have talked about this idea that it's not just about keeping, you know, about retaining that, but it's about, you know, improving the network and developing them and using the contracts that you have to to build a, a bigger community. Now, how did this come to be something that interested in you, um, interested you? How did you reach this point where, where you know about this? What's been your journey? Great question. So I've been helping technology companies um, in the SaaS space and platform space for a little over a decade now. Uh, and I had the great privilege to work with Honk Technology. Uh, it's a marketplace for matching motorists with towing and roadside providers. Amazing company, amazing mission. And while I was there, among other things, I was responsible for the provider network's performance, their payment, their support, um, their trust and safety. And in that role, I got to know so many amazing independent contractors and companies um, and really focused on finding the best and working with them as, as much as possible and keeping them in our network and keeping them happy to work in our network amongst a, a pretty good pool of competition out there. Um, we did a lot of things, but some of the things came with risk, and I want to address that a little bit later. Um, but ultimately, uh, we we kept going, kept moving forward on the mentality of how can we do good, how can we help these businesses uh, be better partners in business, so that they can delight the customers on our marketplace, on our platform, and we can all grow together. Um, I'm now in a position where I'm the head of a wonderful company, uh, Checkbook, that has a product that I think can fit into that solution. So I wanted to join you on this Marketplace podcast to, to talk about that as just one tool in the toolbox of, of helping your providers become stronger, better businesses, more profitable businesses. And we talk about, I mean, you mentioned retention there, and, and I know that, you know, it's it's not necessarily um, just about that onboarding process, but there must be when you say toolkit, there must be lots of ways that people can do this. And obviously, at Marketplace Risk, we talk to lots of tech companies who are doing amazing things. Where do you think that things like, you know, the, the counting side of it can fit in to that? And what are the other elements that people have to consider? So the title of this podcast, Marketplace Risk, is a great introduction to, to that question. Um, everything that we can do for our provider network comes with risk um, through the classification you know risks if you give them a t-shirt if you give them insurance it all adds to that classification risk now in california prop 22 passed now whether you're for or against it i'll, I'll leave that argument alone but uh, it does open the door for companies to do more for their independent contractor networks uh, the uber ceo is the one that that said hey, we can now offer more traditional benefits and allow you to retain the freedom uh, that you have as an independent contractor. So beyond California and before this, any sort of benefit that you wanted to offer to your, your contractor network came with risks. However, I found that helping them become more profitable is not one of those. It's not something that is going to make them seen as treated like an employee because in fact you're helping them stand up their business more professionally as an independent business and not as an employee um if you asked anybody working in any job anywhere in the world you know what would you like more of what what could you, we do to make you a happier worker either as an independent contractor or employee 
the answer is pretty universal. Right? Everybody's going to say, well, I'd like to make more money. I'd, I'd like to keep more of the money I have. Yeah. Uh, in, in the marketplace world, you also see things like, I'd like more jobs because they want more money. I'd like more transparency into the process because they want to figure out how to get more jobs and make more money. Everything revolves around more money. Um, you might see a minority that say, hey, I'd like benefits. Hey, I'd like you know, more tools and equipment, discounts, things like that. But, but the primary and dominant request is, I'd like to make more money. Um, we could refer back to a, a, a very old Forbes survey that says more Americans would rather fire their boss than make more money. But as an independent contractor, <laughs> that's a pretty interesting mindset to have. So I'll focus on how can we help our independent contractors make more money, and that's to keep the money that they have. Um, in the U.S., it's never been more public, more clear, uh, thanks to uh, the release of President Donald Trump's taxes, that business losses and business expenses do reduce your tax liability. But why is it that only you know large corporations or, or wealthy people are benefiting from that? I see an opportunity to help more than 60 million Americans working in the gig economy reduce their tax liability through better business expense tracking. So many things that are applicable out there just being missed, just being forgotten. Um, and it's such a great way for marketplaces to get out there and say, I can make my network stronger. I can make them more profitable by helping them with a tiny bit of education and showing them that, that there are tools available. And of course, time is, is, is value. Time is money. So I'm really proud that at Checkbook, we've got a solution that doesn't require any accounting knowledge and is incredibly fast, incredibly easy to use. So it just seems like a good fit to, to join this podcast, to talk to every marketplace out there, and maybe to talk to some of the, the drivers out there that might be interested in listening to this or the, the delivery or the you know providers and across so many spaces out there. So I'd love to, love to get the message out that I want to do good. I want to help people become more profitable and in any way I can. And what do you think? You talked about some of the barriers there. It's like education, time. You know, what do you think the biggest barrier is to, to getting people to sort of, you know, take charge of this and, and benefit benefit from from doing doing it properly? That is, you, you've nailed that. The number one is education. Yeah. Um, I've spoken with so many people in the economy um, across the space. So, you know, care.com, they might be wearing scrubs to work. They might be bringing educational toys to, to children's. They're using their own vehicles for transport. And they don't know that any of that is a deductible expense, or if they do, they're just not tracking it. So many people that, that drive or deliver, they'll go home and they'll crunch their numbers and they'll look at their bank accounts and they're not realizing that, you know, if they have a dedicated space in their home, uh, that's all sub business expenses. That's all time um, and, and money that they're spending that they can be deducting from their taxes. And, you know, in, in our space, the, the joke is the $9 that you might pay for, for our product is also tax deductible. So it's it's an investment into into really really making your business more profitable, but, but time and education that's that's the main hurdle there, and mm -hmm. I think that it's something that we can overcome. And I'm beginning that journey now, and it's it's not an easy journey to go to to go down, but uh, I'm I'm hoping that we can make it happen and to make an impact. Do you think that the way that 2020 has has panned out for a lot of people, maybe they've been made redundant, maybe they've been furloughed, and they've been looking to gig economy marketplaces um, to maybe either increase their income, which has been uh, diminished by by the pandemic, or to actually you know find work when they don't have any. 
Do you think that this increased amount of people that are maybe using gig platforms will help to raise awareness of this simply because more people are doing their own taxes and their own expenses rather than working um, for, for a single company? So, yes, absolutely. The more people that enter the space, the more education they will bring with them. However, um, it is my experience that discussing any form of taxation or accounting is just not a glamorous subject. <laughs> and it's not something that comes up in normal conversation. Mm-hmm. It's not something I see across many forums. It's not something I, I, I see in my own personal life. So it's, it's one of those non-taboo but also unspoken subjects that is difficult to, to spread. It's difficult to, to share your knowledge and, and to get anyone excited about, about making sure they're you know, saving receipts so that they can reduce tax liability at the end of the year. Um, but we are coming upon that time, and it's, it's never too late to jump in and, and have an automatic solution, you know, import and categorize your expenses, and you can say, oh, yeah, I forgot all about that, and, you know, hopefully yeah. save a lot of money. And what about people, um, do, you, do you come across people who are providers who are registered with more than one platform? Does that make it more difficult for them? I mean, how do the platforms, because obviously we're, a lot of our listeners are startup founders, so if we think about how they can make the experience for their providers better and, and therefore retain them, what, do, what situation is there when um, an individual provider is working for more than one platform at the same time. How does that make an impact on their expenses and their accounts? I've certainly thought about that quite a bit. I do not want this education piece, this drive to help the provider networks to be something that's competitive. Um, you know, in, in the towing and roadside space, there are, there are a handful of providers, um, and I'd love them all to reach out because... To say that because someone else has already reached out to try to help, I don't want to do the same, it seems interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the companies that are, you know, the name brand competitors, Uber and Lyft, they both have great marketplaces or, or benefits programs for their, their drivers to earn credits and to earn things like that. And, and it's not exclusive to one or the other. Every marketplace out there should be saying, what can I do to reward these top performers in my network to keep the strongest, best people interested in working for me. And in some cases to keep them in business. Um, in the handyman space, there are a lot of people who say, let me, let me invest in some tools. Let me get my truck and let me see if I can get out there and make a living in the gig economy. And they may fail. They may not have the, the business acumen or the, or the work volume to, to pay their bills and to, to stay within the gig economy. And they might have to fall back into a more traditional role. So wanting to get out there and help them become more profitable as an individual contractor, to become more professional and more intelligent as a business owner, which is what they are, um, I feel like every platform, no matter if it's redundant, should be you know, singing this messaging from the rooftops so that they can turn this, this massive economy that, that has been created into um, something that's future-proof, something that we know can, can grow and thrive and, and create healthy opportunity for people around the world. You and I talked briefly about increasing network professionalism. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Absolutely. So that that goes straight to the the education piece and the acknowledgement piece that you are a business. That's one of the the barriers to entry here in in, in my world is a lot of people who 
will drive for Postmates, a lot of people who may just put their RV up on a, on a sharing site don't realize that they're generating revenue and they are a business. That's, that's a barrier to entry there is to say, why would I need business accounting? Why would I need business tax software if I'm just, you know, leasing out my RV? Well, you're going to be issued a, you know, 1099 NEC uh, for, for a lot of these jobs, um, which is the new form in the U.S. And you are going to have the opportunity to file a Schedule C about every single expense that you incurred to make that $1, right? So you can not only... You know, say, hey, I only made 50 bucks with Postmates, but I had to have a car and I had to have fuel and I had to have insurance and I had to have a cell phone and I had to have a cell phone plan. So I actually incurred business losses due to this, you know, endeavor. Um, and those business losses can be written off against your personal tax liability. So it's, it's the step number one is for all of these people to understand that they are a business. And once they understand that they're a business, they can treat it professionally and they can see profits increase and they can see revenue grow and, and they can see, you know, more freedom, the freedom that comes with, with being your own boss, with being an independent contractor. Of course it comes with more stress. I'm, I've been there myself, but, uh, <laughs> but that freedom is, is certainly something wonderful. Um, and the ability to, to run your own business and to be your own boss is something that a lot of people out there would, would like to, to see and they don't realize that they're a part of that in the gig economy because of the amazing work that these platforms and these marketplaces do to make it easy. Um, but what they're really doing is they are running their own business as an independent contractor and I'd love for more more of them to see see it that way. Looking back over the last say decade or so and you, you've obviously been you know sitting on you know on the edge of this world this gig economy world as it develops what what have you seen come through do you think that there's a, a sort of wider acceptance of people who are doing these multiple platform based jobs and and you know and, and what other trends have you seen come through from people who are employed in this sort of way so that is a great question what i'm seeing more of is a stronger need for tax knowledge due mm -hmm. to uh, reporting. So you can imagine that 15 years ago, if you hired a, a caregiver, a nanny, a babysitter for your children, and you hired them, you know, weekends or, you know, for when your child is ill, you, you maybe you paid them more than $600 that year for, for childcare. But as an individual person, you're not going to be issuing them any tax forms and you're not going to be reporting them income unless they truly were, you know, what you would consider in your head a full-time employee. Whether or not that's, you know, how things should work, it's the way that things traditionally did work in the past. But now if you're a handyman that's, that's helping people or if you're a, a caregiver that's giving care, you're going to be receiving these, these tax documents for reported income to the IRS. So a lot of people doing the exact same thing are now seeing uh, – business driven from these platforms who are doing the right thing and are reporting that income correctly. And now you're, you're faced with that, that burden and, and sometimes several forms from several platforms. Uh, the mobile car wash industry in the U S is one of those things where a lot of people might've had great mobile car washing re um, relationships with, with friends, with family, with, with community members. Um, but you know, a lot of that is just cash for a car wash. And, and now through the amazing platforms, they're seeing their business double, triple, quadruple, but they're also getting that revenue 100% reported across several different platforms. So they've got lots of different tax forms to deal with and, and they've got to really up their professionalism to, to handle that. And, and some of them, some of them use great solutions already. 
um, but some of them don't. And, and the ones who aren't out there already trying to track expenses, already trying to, to be more profitable, those are the ones that we want to get out there and help. Mm-hmm. And how, how do you think things are going to change? I mean, gosh, um, I've been recording these podcasts right through the lockdown. And as we come to the end now of 2020 and we're getting, starting to get more positive news about vaccines, it's, you know, it's beginning to look like uh, 2021 is actually, you know, might just um, take shape. And without hijacking your podcast, talk about marketplace risk, it means that we might have some in-person events as well, which is really exciting. But for everyone, it means that there's this sense of uncertainty about 2021, but, you know, in, in a positive way. When people have turned to the gig economy because of lockdown, maybe, do you think there's going to be, um, you know, a shift back when companies are maybe, um, you know, taking on more staff again or, you know, and how is this going to affect what you're doing? And do you think changes that have happened in 2020 for the good in terms of the things you're talking about will only stick now? I mean, and, and not reversed. I know that's a whole bunch of questions that I've asked you at the same time, but I suppose I just want you to kind of get your crystal ball out and, and, um, and talk about what we're going to see over the next few years. Well, I am a serial optimist, but <laughs> let there be no mistake. The pandemic has been horrific and had terrible effects on so many lives ac- across the globe. Uh, so much loss, um, personally, financially, to, to so many people. Um, but there have also been opportunities. Uh, and what I see in the gig economy and the marketplace space are people looking to solve problems no matter where they occur, in the best of times and in the worst of times. And I've seen so many amazing programs um, come out of it during the, the pandemic. Uh, you've mentioned it on previous podcasts, you know, free food delivery for seniors, free medical delivery. There's just been a lot of good, a lot of opportunity um, to help. And I find that when the economy turns and when things are booming, there are going to be new problems to solve and new opportunities. And we are in the marketplace, a community of problem solvers. And there will always be something that can be improved, always be something that can be streamlined. So I always see you know, this marketplace opportunity growing and growing and growing. And that's why I want to make it stronger and smarter um, to really solidify the roots as a future-proof economy that that in the ups and in the downs will thrive um, and will we'll find ways to, to solve problems, find ways to, to make people's lives better on every side of the equation, on the consumer side, on the provider side, on the business-to-business side. Uh, there's just a lot of, there's always a lot of opportunity to, to thrive. And, and I'm looking forward to that. And I'm excited to see what's next. I'm excited to see how someone out there is going to make my life easier next month and beyond. Um, and this is a great time for starting businesses. Um, uh, we've seen record business growth um, in the previous quarter. Uh, I saw the news today that Marissa Myers got a new company launching its first product uh, to help you organize your contacts so that you can be more in touch remotely with those that you love and those that you work with. And I mean, no matter what the world throws at us, people are very, very good at making solutions to problems. So I'm optimistic. I think that no matter what the world brings, um, whether we're locked down for an extended period of time or back to normal, uh, that there's going to be growth in the market economy space. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm also looking forward to getting back to going to football games, but that's a different story. I know. Well, my husband can't wait to to get back to going to to gigs because obviously the the live music thing has um, 
you know, it's really suffered. But as you say, in the world of marketplaces, um, there's been quite a lot of business ideas ideas that have really thrived um and i don't think that and although people have said that if things get back to normal and i'm using my inverted commas signs around normal there that you know there'll be a kind of almost like a backlash against remote working and people will be rushing back into their offices because they've missed those water cooler moments etc um but you know i think that now we've all learned just about how to how to spend our life on on zoom and do everything remotely it can only um, continue that some of our lives is, uh, are going to be work working online much more. And um, once you've registered maybe with a gig economy platform and started to do your you know accounting and understand that and feel that it's not as complex as you thought it was and that, and that you are a, a business in in your own right and you're doing this, I don't I don't see how you can you can step back from that because you've seen the benefits and the flexibility of it and and that it wasn't maybe as difficult as you thought it was and you've reaped the rewards then um, I don't see that people are going to to abandon that and then just go back. I read some stat recently about how we've progressed um, sort of 10 years in 10 months when it comes to digital adoption. And that is just unbelievable. Um, So, you know, I think whatever 2021 looks like, it's certainly not going to be a return to any normal that we we remember, really. It's going to be sort of pre-COVID and post, isn't it? That is the truth, and and you're you're right about the the adoption of you know unified communications and, and remote video. It's just it's everywhere. It's prevalent and and it's exciting. It's it's been a way for me to get in touch with people who you know have moved away. I've never felt closer to friends of mine that have moved to Idaho or friends of mine that have moved to Northern California. It's it's just been nice to to connect. Now tell me in the last few minutes, Brian, about um, check, but where are you? based and and what plans um have you got over the the next few months obviously we'd love to get you on one of our webinars in our next series um and just just tell me a bit about what you're you're doing and um and what's happening what's coming up excellent so i would definitely love to join you um i am both blessed and cursed to be working remotely from you know, my home in Southern California or wherever my travels may take me but we are headquartered in Maui so uh not a bad place to be um my, my mission for the next few months is to really get the word out and see how many people uh, we can reach to help. Uh, there's more than 69 million Americans in the gig economy, and I'd love to, to help each and every one of them you know, save more money and make more money, become more profitable. Uh, so you're going to be seeing uh, hopefully a lot of us. We've got new marketing campaigns going across every platform. Um, I want to I just reach out and, and shout from the rooftops that we should all be you know, saving money, making money, and and thriving in, in the best of times and the worst of times. Uh, and I'm looking forward to you know, doing that everywhere I can. And I hope we'll get an invite to Hawaii. Um, you know, that's going to be... Indeed. That's, Indeed. Hopefully, that's hopefully in the post for, for 2021. So <laughs> we look forward to that. Brian, it's been a real pleasure. And I'm so glad we managed to have this focus today on the provider side. And and really, I think hearing what... what um, you know benefits the platforms themselves 
can reap from looking after their providers and, and, and helping them um, to, you know, to save time and educate them in this whole piece, I think, is, is really valuable for the founders that, that listen into the podcast. So, so thank you for that. And we look forward to welcoming you in 2021, where hopefully we'll have even more good news to share about the state of the world. And um, yeah, thanks again for, for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you all for having me. Um, and then just one last thing, if, if anyone listening is is curious about what we do, how our referral program might work and getting this messaging out to your network, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. It's brian at checkbook.com. That's uh, checkbook with a Q. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd just love to see if I can help. Thanks, Brian. Thank you for tuning into the Master's Program Platform Podcast. Check out the master's program on the Marketplace Risk website at marketplacerisk.com, where you will find 12 tracks of content featuring over 80 speakers in more than 65 sessions. You can also download the mobile app to connect with participants, speakers, and sponsors from around the world. Be sure to follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk. Tune in next week for another podcast.